Well, great. Well, we're glad to have you here on this this uh, Resurrection Sunday. Or at least that's the day. Today we're going to commemorate and remember that. Uh, churches and world around the world are remembering this event in a big way in many places. And of course, in many of those places, it's more of the focus is on the death of Christ and course that that was an obvious very important part of this whole matter but we call it resurrection sunday because this is where we are and this is the event that we place our hope in the hope of the resurrection all right and i have here a card from the baldwin family and it says here dear, dear church family your prayers visits food and beautiful flowers were gratefully appreciated during the loss of our precious wife mother and grandmother thank you so much Love, Buford, Baldwin, Pat, and Diane. And so we appreciate the kind card, and it was our privilege to uh, minister in that way to a family in need, and all of us are going to have that need one day or another, and so uh, we thank you for that and trust the Lord is continuing to strengthen you. We also, I think I sent as many as I could and had emails for about the uh, Brooks family, a little update on him. I didn't realize just exactly what was going on. Then when I called Angel and talked to her, found out he was not doing as well as I was thinking. So uh, I hadn't had an update for about a month and didn't realize that he's lost the, all the muscle use in his left shoulder. Uh, mostly from the radiation and the nerve damage that it caused. So he's fighting that. He's he's a tiger. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's up and about and looking for a job, even though he's uh, not well. He's got uh, swelling in his throat. They don't know the cause of it, and it's affecting his speech. And um, he goes in. He's scheduled for an MRI or CT scan, I don't remember now, on May the 10th. So, Lord willing, they'll find something out then and maybe be able to prescribe some treatment or something for him. But they are in financial need, and so we discussed this Wednesday night. I was trying to make it as quick as I could, and that's why I sent the email out. And I think everybody so far has agreed that it was a worthy thing, along with Tracy and Ellen Daniels. And I, without going into a lot of detail... I, I will mention this, you, you know, let's see, I can't remember how many years, probably 10 years ago or so, when Tracy was at that church, it was a growing church. I mean, it, they were, and they were ready to build a new auditorium, and they had purchased property, land, right next door to the property they have now, where the church is located, and with the ideas of building a new auditorium. And then when he began... Uh, preaching about the kingdom and you know had several people leave and they're just hanging on making their payments and surviving and so in conjunction with that because the church wasn't able he was full-time as a pastor then now he's uh bivocational and they pay him just a little bit but they came up with a big tax bill this year kind of hit him unexpected and uh, $2,600, and so we've made a proposal for them also for $1,000 uh, to give them, $1,000 each, in other words, to the Brooks family and to the Daniels. And um, if nobody is opposed to that, then we'll have Joy cut us a couple of checks and send it to them, see what we can do as a church family here to be of a blessing and a help to them. And I know they would appreciate it. I know Angel had a very difficult... Of course, the Daniels now, they don't even know I'm doing this. So this will be a shock to them. Angel, when I asked her about, you know, how they were doing, she, financially that is, that I asked, you know, it's just like anybody else. She said, this is really very hard to do, you know, to say, you know, but we're, I don't remember how she said it, making it or something. Anyway, I knew the need was there. And I didn't really want to protract it and, you know, embarrass her or anything like that. But uh, it was obvious that she didn't want to have to say, yes, we need help. So I knew the need was there, and that's why I was bringing that before you here. So anyway, 
we can bless them and God's blessed us here. I mean, we've had several people mention how few we have and how blessed our offerings are and God has indeed blessed us here. So we will share that blessing. Okay. And then as soon as we're, our service is over this morning, why we will have our communion service or communion time. I want to speak a little bit today about resurrection uh, in most, well, I should say many countries of the world, and especially in a lot of the eastern countries, Middle Eastern countries, uh, it's very common for them to greet each other by saying, He is risen. And then they respond in kind by saying, Nobody knows. I was waiting for somebody that knew to say, Huh? No, they say he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's the great hope that we have. The fact that Christ is risen gives us hope. The fact of the resurrection, the first fruits or the firstborn out from among the dead. And that's really quite a statement, and that's quite a radical thing for the world to believe in. <laughs> quite frankly, they don't believe in. And it might amaze people like us who we just, I mean, when I first heard about the resurrection, it was nothing to me. I mean, it was just as simple and easy for me to believe that uh, as anything else I believed about the scriptures. And I had no problem, and I have no, no clue why it was such a simple and easy thing for me. But for many, it's a great, great obstacle. They just cannot get beyond, you know, scientifically the fact that somebody who was dead could actually be brought back to life again. And yet, even further, is living yet today and will live forever in a body, a God, the God-man living in a body, human and divine, united together forever. And that, folks, once we understand what it means for God to have sent his son to take on a body of flesh for that man to die and then rise from the dead, and to understand his exalted position. Uh, Brother Bob made reference to it. He's there interceding for us today as our high priest. That's his present ministry. One day he'll come back as king. He will always be in this position as God's son. And it's forever. And so what does that mean for people like you and I? If we hold out the hope that, of the resurrection that we will rise from the dead one day. And the Bible states that as a very clear fact. All will rise from the dead. Then it means for you and I that the promises that he's given to us in being raised from the dead are certain and secure and sure. Now, I want us to look just... We'll just read the passage there. I, wanted to, I chose Mark's passage this morning simply because Mark is quite succinct and to the point and no other reason than that did I choose it. I want us to turn to Mark 15, verse 33. We'll just read a few verses here. Well, I guess quite a few in a way. We're going to finish that chapter in a part of chapter 16. So Mark chapter 15 and verse 33, we'll begin there. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Of course, the sixth hour being noon to the ninth hour being till three o'clock in the afternoon. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's actually, I should say, the I is usually pronounced E. We just don't do that in English, but it's Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. 
But the translation of that, it tells us right here, being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that, so he cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, the less, and uh, Ioses, and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. And now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved, meaning he asked for, the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew of it, uh, of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of uh, Yoses, beheld where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away, who, uh, who shall us, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, and they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And we, that's just a, a simple account of what transpired during that week. And this took place... What we see here, of course, took place actually over several days. I know that there's big argument over a Friday crucifixion. I don't hold to that. I take the scriptures very literally when he said three days and three nights as Jonah was in the belly of the whale. I take three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. That demands a Wednesday crucifixion. Wednesday about noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. One of the things that you have to remember is when we read the scriptures, we often, when we see the word Sabbath, what comes to your mind? Immediately. Huh? Saturday, right. That's the first thing we all think of. I think of Saturday, the seventh day. But you know there were many other Sabbaths, and the Passover was a Sabbath. And the Passover didn't land on Saturday every year. It happened on various days throughout the week. And that's why each year we have Easter or Resurrection Sunday adjusted for us. That's why this year, and for, if I remember right, they told us that this year, this day is the latest that Easter can possibly fall. And so... Next year, it'll be some day earlier than this. And so this Sabbath 
that he's talking about here, and I believe right here in Mark, in verse 42, when he says it was the preparation, there's another passage that talks about it being a high Sabbath, meaning it wasn't just Saturday. It wasn't the Sabbath of the Saturday, but it was another Sabbath earlier in the week, which would have been Thursday, right? And so this is the preparation day, and they wanted to have him crucified, and off of that cross... By Wednesday, 6 o'clock, which was Thursday for them, that was the beginning of their new day. Now, that really isn't what I want to talk about so much, but I feel that's a, an important point to make. That if we, and there's plenty of strong arguments for that position, by the way. And I think one of the strongest ones is just taking a literal 72 hours, three days, just as the Lord stated it. He would be in the belly of the earth just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Three days and three nights. I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 for a moment. We've got a few passages to look up here this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, often called the resurrection chapter. We're not going to look at the entire chapter by any means. I just want to look at a portion of it this morning and then look at some other passages in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 it says there but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept for since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. And then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. What I want us to focus on here at this point is simply to say that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's simply the first to have this occur. But there's more to follow. As a matter of fact, if we looked over in uh, Colossians, I think it was, 1.20, if you look there briefly, one verse, Colossians chapter 1, Verse 18, not 20. It says there, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, first, uh, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so we see this emphasis on the firstness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of that which he accomplished during that what we call the Passion Week, his suffering on our behalf for the sins of the world and the burial that took place. And it was a, you know, three days was a guarantee for a Jew that he was really dead. You remember the same incident with Lazarus. In the, he was in, had been in the grave for three days. It was now the fourth day. And Jesus wanted to go to the grave. And remember the response? <laughs> it's the fourth day. He, he stinketh. That was the, the assurance, the surety that this was a true death that had occurred. And so it was with the Lord Jesus Christ. Three days was a guarantee with that stone still in front of that grave that he was truly dead. It was after the 72 hours were completed on the fourth day that he miraculously arose from the grave and God brought him back to life. And praise the Lord, he is risen indeed. He is risen from the dead and he is the first fruits now 
in order to understand first fruits, we have to go back to Leviticus. So let's turn back to Leviticus and chapter 14. Excuse me, 23. I don't know where I'm going here. Leviticus 23. I'm going to end with verse 14 here. I got that in my mind. I spent a lot of time on that. Beginning with verse 9, you'll see this section here. It begins with this and some instruction about first fruits. And notice what he says there in Leviticus 23, verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. And, of course, this whole passage here is speaking about the offerings and the various ones. And this one's the first fruits. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye become into the land which I gave unto you, or give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye, wa- uh, when ye wave the sheaf and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two-tenth deals of the fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor, and the drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of an hen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that ye have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Now, I like one commentator, interpreter, and of course said concerning this, and of course it shall be an age-abiding, literally there, the word forever, it's an age-abiding statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings in every place you live, every dwelling place throughout Israel, this was to be an ongoing perpetual thing until the coming of Messiah. And of course, the first fruits is a picture of what we have, of Christ that is, as being first fruits from the dead, is a picture here of the first fruits offerings taught to Israel as they were about to enter the land and it was a guarantee of the harvest that was to follow. So when harvest time came, the first ripened grain that came along, they were to take a sheaf of that or the equivalent, the word actually there is an omer, so it was a specific measure and they were to take that omer to the priest and make it as an offering, the very first thing they received. And that was their assurance, their surety, that the full harvest was just about to come and they would have a bountiful year and God would supply their needs once again. And so we have here for us in the New Testament, Christ pictured as the first fruits of those from the dead. That's our confidence, our assurance of the coming resurrection. Now, and the scriptures teach a resurrection, pure and simple. It states it as a fact. All will be resurrected. As a matter of fact, back there in that passage we read in 1 Corinthians 15... In verse 22, it says, Therefore, as in Adam all die, so even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And there are many other passages too, many, that talk about the resurrection of the dead as a statement of fact. But I want us to, well, and then there are many other first fruits spoken of as well too. You know, there's the, there's the um, first fruits converts in a specific area spoken of as first fruits. You remember how Paul talked about the, the first fruits of those in Achaia over in Greece, those who first came to Christ. 
um, the 144,000 are spoken of as first fruits. And even Christians in general, when they have been born again or received that birth back in, in James chapter 1, verse 18, he tells us there that they're considered a first fruit, and that would be us. Verse 18 says this, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, I take this in a little more narrow sense today for the simple fact that many who receive Christ receive him on premises other than what James has described for us here in this chapter. And if you read the first chapter, you'll find the context of this chapter has to do with those who had been suffering, those who had been going through trial, tribulation, temptation. And his urging of them was that happy or blessed is the man that endures temptation or trial, for when he is tried or fully tested and found approved because he made it through the trial, then, he says, he shall receive the crown of the life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And so these first fruit Christians, those who were clinging to the hope of the coming life, and here in this passage, That life is described as one that had accompanying it a crown, the crown of the life. And when we study those things in the New Testament, we find that there are several things attached to this life that God has promised in the future. Those who are resurrected to participate in that coming life. Now, he also says that... um, Well, we mentioned that Christ was the uh, firstborn from among the dead. He also says in Romans chapter 8 that we who are doing the same thing, Romans 8 is about those who suffer with Christ, where he says there, if they suffer with him, that they would be glorified together with him. Well, this is just further language that describes what the future holds for those who endure or suffer with Christ. And he tells us a little later on, down in verse 22, he says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only, now the King James says, and not only they, and you'll see that's a supplied word, I like the other, another translation that says it this way, and not only this, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That is the resurrection, the purchasing back of our body. And we're groaning within ourselves, waiting for that day. And the blessings of the benefits or the first fruits of the Spirit are given to them that are awaiting that promise, looking for that day. You know, the, the Sadducees, looks, you know, they were the group that didn't believe in the resurrection. I want us to turn back to Mark chapter 12 now. And let's take a look at a group here that did not believe in the resurrection. And they, they basically had given Jesus a what-if situation here. So we'll suppose, Jesus, that there is this resurrection you're talking about. And they said a man, you know, had a, a wife and, and the man died. And according to the Leveret Law uh, of Israel that they were to take, the man's brother as a husband and he was to bear children in order that this man's inheritance and heritage might continue on. Well, they said he had seven brothers and she took them all to wife and each one died. 
And then in the resurrection now, we don't believe in that Jesus, but according to what you're saying here, there's a resurrection. So in the resurrection, who's she going to be married to? Which one's going to be her husband? And Jesus responded just as matter of fact concerning the resurrection. And he says in verse 24 of that passage, he says, Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? Now that's amazing, because the only scriptures they had would have been the Old Testament scriptures. And so he's chiding them for not knowing their own scriptures concerning the resurrection. And it's interesting to me, the passage Jesus points out is teaching the resurrection. Verse 25 says, For when they shall rise from the dead, and you notice how the statement is it's indicative, it's just a fact there, he's presenting it. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Meaning they don't marry. And as touching the dead that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Boy, I mean, that was, to me, when I read that, that is powerful. Because how many of us really, when we read about the bush, burning bush incident, and think of it in those kinds of terms. When God said to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He was simply telling them, they're alive. There is going to be a resurrection. And they will live to experience the promise that I've given unto you that there will be a land to inherit. Which, by the way, is a pretty strong argument for the existence of Israel today and the literal fulfillment of those land promises to Israel, that they are going to occupy that land, and I think very soon. It's theirs. It's not some, you know, spiritual, allegorical, you know, <laughs> floating thing around there that you just can't really pinpoint but it's a very real thing. Now, having said that, a couple other things I want to say, and I want to leave us enough time here for our communion service. But the scripture says something <clears throat> else regarding resurrection as it points to you and I. Just turn a couple chapters over into the book of Luke in chapter 20. Luke chapter 20 and verse 35. And in a manner of speaking, this, in a sense here, is where the rubber hits the road for us. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished on our behalf our redemption. He's paid the price. He died the death. He was buried for three days and three nights, having paid the ultimate price and proving that this was a very real death that occurred. And then, having risen from the grave, and he's gone. Now notice what he says here for us. What accompanies the promise and the hope of resurrection for you and I. Well, notice what he says there. Verse 34, Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain or attain that world. And we understand the world there, the word for world is eon. Just like we have our English word, eon. And it means an age, a period of time. And he's saying those 
which shall be accounted worthy to attain or obtain. That word obtain, by the way, is translated attain in other passages. And it carries with it the idea of when we attain to something, you know, we come into possession of it. We are able to take advantage of it. We're able to use something if we can obtain it. And those that are counted worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now there's that same passage. But notice what he says here. They must attain to that age and the resurrection from or out of the dead. Now, there's a distinction here because the word, and it's the, the, the word from is that little word, ek, E-K. And it means from or out of. And he's being very specific here that certain ones are going to attain to that coming age and the resurrection associated with it a resurrection which is out from among the dead. Now, we just said, and I hope just through the few little verses I gave us, that we understand that there is a resurrection out here in the future, and it applies to everybody. In other words, all are going to be raised from the dead. Here, he's telling us, that there is a resurrection out from among the dead ones. So do you see that there is being spoken of here a separate resurrection? Because if all are going to be resurrected over here, then there's no dead ones to be resurrected out of, is there? I mean, they're all being raised from the dead. And, of course, we understand that to happen at the end of the 1,000-year millennium. That happens at the end. All will be raised from the dead. But there is spoken of here a resurrection out of or from the dead ones, as one translates it. Having said that, look over to Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at just a couple passages here and then move on. Acts chapter 10, and what is it? Verse 41. Verse 40 says, Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not only to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead, that is, out of the dead. Now, here's an example of where Jesus, being the first fruits, you know, all those that had died from the time of creation up till that point, they were still in their graves. Jesus, he says here, rose out of, out from among the dead. And there are several other passages that, that reference that. Romans chapter 4, or excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 4. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Paul writing to, to the church there regarding the gospel. He says there that he was a servant of Christ in verse 1, called an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now you notice how he had to add that phrase in there. Made according to the seed of David. We would have understood that to mean he was a real person. But for extra emphasis, he adds, according to the flesh, make no mistake about it. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from or out of the dead. Same kind of thought, same kind of idea. Out of the dead ones. Now, 
I'm going to skip a couple here, and I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 3, a passage with having said all these things that you can't avoid. It's a real key passage, quite frankly, for the Christian. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul writing concerning the prize. And he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means or by any way, somehow, I might attain, and there's that same word that was translated obtain in Luke 20. Here it's translated attain unto the resurrection of the dead, or as we know, literally, it has the word ek in front of resurrection. In front of the, uh, excuse me, in front of it, the resurrection out from among the dead ones. Now that tells us something again, that here is Paul teaching us that there is a resurrection to which he was hoping for that was a resurrection out from among the dead ones. Now, what's the whole point? Well, if there was a resurrection over here that was a resurrection of everybody, all were going to be resurrected, then Paul is saying over here, but I'm trying and attaining and seeking and striving for a resurrection that will be out from among the dead ones, meaning there's still some in the grave. And all we're trying to say here then is that there is a promise of a resurrection to people like Paul who had devoted his life, bore the cross of Christ daily, and had given himself over to Christ to the point that he was clinging to this promise that there would be a resurrection, a peculiar resurrection, available to a believer that would occur prior to this general resurrection, which everybody would face. And of course, with those resurrections, of course, Judgment. We won't take the time to look at Daniel chapter 2, or excuse me, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, where Daniel says there that there will be a resurrection, some to everlasting or age-lasting righteousness, and some to age-lasting shame and contempt. Again, an Old Testament teaching that there is going to be a resurrection. But there was a specific resurrection here Paul is referring to. And I want us to look then back to Acts or chapter 24... A couple of passages that we've looked at before regarding the resurrection. In Acts 24, and then for those of you that are already thinking ahead, go ahead and might as well go ahead and do it. Put your finger over there in Hebrews 11. We'll go to that one too. He tells us here in Acts chapter 24 when he's on trial. What, what was this all about? Why does Paul, or, or how does Paul defend himself regarding the, thing, the charges against him and the reason why he's on trial? And he's trying to tell them here, the reason I'm on trial, he says, it, looking at verse 14, 24, 14, he says, This I confess unto you, thee, that after the way which they call heresy. And boy, that's, that's just an interesting statement all of its own. The way. 
There was a peculiar, special way that he was speaking of here. But they call it heresy. So worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, or they themselves, that is speaking of the Jews, which were the ones charging him here, he says we are waiting for, they also wait or receive or accept with anticipation that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And over in chapter 26, he speaks to this again when he says in verse 6, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. What was that promise? The promise of a resurrection. Unto which promise are twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. And there we find that same word used again, attain which are 12 tribes serving God day and night, hope to attain. You know, what I'm trying to point out to us here is the scriptures teach us that there is a guaranteed resurrection of all. But there was a specific resurrection of promise. And it was something they hoped to attain to. He says, for which hope's sake... King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible? And the word incredible there is the word unbelievable. Why do you think it's such an unbelievable thing with you, Agrippa, that God should raise the dead? Well, of course, Paul's rhetorical question there was meant to have the obvious and simple answer as we stated earlier at the beginning of this message, why do we think that's such an incredible thing that God could raise the dead? If he can create, he can certainly raise from the dead. And now I'm going to finish up with, and here in Hebrews chapter 11, this entire book talking about those who have clung to the promise of the gospel that there is a future inheritance for those who follow Christ. And in order for them to obtain their inheritance, there would have to be then a resurrection. And here in chapter 11, we saw, we see what well, we see first of all, beginning in verse 13, after having enumerated for us several of the Old Testament saints, he says, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises. In other words, they're still in the grave. They haven't obtained these promises as of yet. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Strangers and pilgrims. And then he goes on to name all these others that and the things that they endured, the things they went through in maintaining and holding on to their faith. And finally, in verse 35, he says at the end of that verse, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Boy, when, when trial and tribulation came, he says there, they didn't accept deliverance. They didn't turn and run. They didn't seek a way out. They didn't seek a way to make it easier. He said they welcomed it. It was like they said, bring it on. Why? Because they knew it would result in a better resurrection. And so my whole point here is, is that not only does the resurrection of Jesus Christ secure our future as to a resurrection, but there is a resurrection that has a much better quality to it than the general resurrection that all will attain to. And our calling as, as Christians, our calling as followers of Christ, as those who are devoted to him, as those who are 
taking up our cross daily, if indeed we are doing so, is that we hold out the hope that having done so, there awaits then for us a much better resurrection than the average Christian will attain to. Now, I don't know about for you, that's strong meat. That's both exhilarating and exciting, but it's also very tough when you think about what goes along with the cross. And so as we consider on this Resurrection Sunday what it cost the Lord Jesus to obtain that for us, and we rejoice with great joy unspeakable concerning the resurrection and the fact that he's alive, if there is to be a hope for us of obtaining to a quality resurrection, then it demands a certain devotion and a willingness on our part to submit in every way to the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. And it means, means basically we're going to hurt. Because Jesus hurt and he suffered, so will we. But in the end, in the end, then we'll be able to sing that song with the songwriter. It will be worth it all. And it will be. And we'll look back and say, just like Jesus gave in the illustration. When a woman's about to give birth, the pain is unbearable. So they tell me. But when it's all over with and the child is born, forget all about the pain. The joy of a child that has been given life. And so it will be for us. The joy of what it will mean to have suffered with Christ here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word and the promise of the life to come and the joy that's associated with that life. God, help us to see that the trials and the tribulations of life that we go through here are worth every bit. Lord, give us courage and grace both now and in days to come to not avoid or run from those things that come our way in which you want to test us and try us, but rather will endure with the power of Christ that we might have that better resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.